We thought we were done. We thought we were finished. We thought we would never talk about a movie minute by minute again. But we were wrong. Join us as we get to know the cast next door. Hello and welcome to The Cast Next Door, where we love your mother's cookies. I'm your host today, Josh, and joining me today is Caroline. Hi, Caroline. Hi, nice to see everyone. Uh, I've met, finally met Josh after uh, communication via Photoshop most of the time. <laughs> and also joining us is Megan. Hi, Megan. Hello. So we are here today to discuss The Boy Next Door, the thriller starring Jennifer Lopez. And what we do on this podcast is we break it down minute by minute. And today we're discussing Minute 49, which begins at 48.01 and runs to 49 on your time code. So please feel free to follow along. So basically what happens in this minute is actually quite a lot of stuff. Uh, I took notes while I was watching this time around, and and quite a bit occurs during these minutes that we're going to talk about together this week. So this minute sort of begins with Jason Zimmer, who I just now realized looks a lot like Ed Sheeran, <laughs> uh, approaching <laughs> approaching Kevin and uh, making some sort of crack. And it looks like they're about to get into a fight. And before Kevin even gets a chance to throw a punch, Noah appears appears out of nowhere and basically kicks uh, Jason Zimmer right in the gut and then starts pummeling him pretty violently. And uh, Jason Zimmer's friends pretty much just run away in terror. Uh, Vicky, played by Kristen Chenoweth, shows up, tries to break up the fight and is immediately pushed to the ground. And uh, then Noah proceeds to continue to pummel Jason and smash his head really violently into the lockers until he's finally pulled off by another teacher. And uh, they go to end up in Vicky's office and uh, she essentially expels him because of a uh, fracture that uh, Jason Zimmer uh, sustained. Uh, Noah tries to leave and, and Vicky tells him to sit down. And that's pretty much where our minute ends. But there's a lot that happens in this minute. So let's jump right into it and talk about uh, what we noticed. Okay. So I have a couple of like general questions um, based on someone who I, I have not seen the whole film. I've gotten the gist of it more or less. Um, but are we supposed to believe that the titular boy next door is crazy because he's so hot or <laughs> is he just like crazy because he has sex a lot? I'm not. I'm not, is, is, is He just seems to be like a animalistic embodiment of passion most of the time and we're supposed to take that as like some justification for any amount of quote-unquote behavior um that occurs from there on yeah i don't know if the movie ever actually puts forth anything as to sort of a justification for his behavior like he definitely doesn't seem to have any real inhibitions in the things that he does as we'll see uh coming up over the course of our minutes and this is kind of borne out in this in this fight sequence which is pretty violent for yeah. for this movie uh, up to this point there hasn't been a whole lot of physical 
physical actions, but it's it's pretty extreme. Yeah, and no one seems to really notice that all of a sudden this man has just appeared with his berserker rage. I mean, where was he prior to this? He comes out of nowhere and just begins to beat a boy basically to death. It's like the Nightcrawler scene at the beginning of X2. Yeah, he just appeared. That whole sequence is just baffling to me because obviously I'm sure that we've all experienced things in high school where, I mean, maybe you you all were lucky enough not to experience (laughs) seeing fights break out in your high school, but I definitely did. And it seemed like the response time of the teachers at this school was really slow. And it also feels like they do not have any sort of security guards or police uh, available on hand at at any point. So it takes some random teacher, a, a guy that I assume is a teacher, because I don't know if we ever see that character again, who sort of shows up and, and is able to pull Noah away after he has bashed this guy's head bloody into a locker. So I don't know. It just felt very sort of forced like a lot of things in this movie it felt it felt really forced and sort of unrealistic and heightened but i guess that's kind of the intent behind this movie and no one at any point will call the police <laughs> yeah that even is even though he's 19 years old well that is a perfect time to jump into what we get in vicky's office where she is very upset with him rightfully so and mentions that they do not have his transcripts at all, and she, so she called his old school and found out that he had been kicked out. And this raises a whole host of other questions, like, why is he on the premises? How did he get himself into Claire's class? It, it really doesn't make any sense at this point. Yeah, because, I mean, the getting into Claire's class, I think they address that with, I think he hacks her email or something, but... I think he's been planning to go back to high school this entire time. Just the stuff with Claire, I guess, was a bonus. So at no point did he have to register or take an entry-level exam. Yeah, we don't see him at the bursar's (laughs) office at any point. I I kind of get that Like the justification for this scene, as in any teen movie, is that high school is lived according to the laws of the jungle and that anyone could just attack (laughs) at any point and like come up to someone with a hostile remark just because they need to get the energy out, I suppose. But yeah, to use that as another sort of high drama mark of this particular movie is, I guess, a typical high school movie cliche, but it doesn't really play into the like the psycho killer stalker aesthetic at all. I don't know. Are, are his motives made clear for like protecting the sun other than to continually fuck with Claire or anything like that? Uh, yeah, without, I mean, without getting too spoilery, kind of. He seems to hate father figures, or really anyone who isn't Claire or Kevin. So this brings up a good point, Megan. You mentioned that no one at any point sort of calls the cops. And you would think that they would simply because she makes a big deal of the fact that Jason Zimmer's skull was fractured and he could have been killed. And yet no sort of law enforcement gets involved in this at all, with especially with the fact that him being 19. The other interesting thing about this scene is the fact that both characters 
are wearing different clothes from the previous scene. So the fight, seemingly, according to according to the cut of the movie that we were given, is taking place on a different day than this meeting in Vicky's office. So I, it, it's very baffling to me, and we'll get into sort of why maybe that happened in just a minute, but it's really baffling to me that they maybe just took a break or they, you know, like, okay, come back tomorrow and we'll discuss your punishment. Exactly. And yet he still comes into her office exhaling and inhaling through both nostrils, just like us all esteem <laughs> with rage as he usually is. Uh, they don't ever seem to contact Noah's uncle at any point during any of this. I mean, I think maybe his uncle is still in the hospital at this point, but it is still strange that he's basically just let free. He, he's running wild over all of this, uh, this town and is like not being held accountable for anything. And also there's that weird moment where all of Kristen Chenoweth's dialogue is seemingly delivered via via ADR like she wasn't available to reshoot that day and so there's just a <laughs> shot of the camera on the back of her head while dialogue is dubbed over she must have come in and recorded on a different day it just sounds a little bit off and there's no real movement of her body at that point so it's just really strange that they just had all of this dialogue delivered on the back of her head, (laughs) essentially. That and the fact that, again, the only meaning I can glean from action not being taken, even though he is 19 and could have killed this other kid, is that there's sort of an implicit understanding between him and Kristen Chenoweth, as he later makes explicit, that he's hot and she's not, and so therefore he is all but immune to the laws of humans, I guess. We'll definitely get into that in our next minute, because that is, that's a bit of a doozy of a conversation. Well, and, and the other boy is a bully, so I mean, he wouldn't have parents, Yeah, I right. Uh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> Bully, <laughs> bullies are orphans from a very young age. So, I mentioned earlier that they are in different clothes, and there appears to be a reason for that. Producer Darren was nice enough to send me a link to some deleted scenes from The Boy Next Door, and we actually have two that we can discuss, uh, one this minute and one next. And essentially, in the deleted scene for this minute, basically, it is sort of version one of the expulsion conversation that we get. Basically, they are in the same clothes as the fight scene, so it is obvious that it takes place on the same day, but there appears to be less rage involved in the conversation, which is really strange to me. They seem a little bit more calm and collected than they do in the scene that we just discussed that's actually in the movie. She mentions that he, that Jason Zimmer only has a hairline fracture, and it doesn't seem as serious, which they obviously changed for the actual scene that's in the movie, and at that point Noah does defend his actions because Jason is a bully, and he's been bullied bullying Kevin for years, so he feels like someone has to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves, which I thought was kind of interesting because there's less sort of rage bubbling inside Noah in this scene, which is weird because it obviously takes place right after the fight, yet the scene that we do get that seems to take place a day later, they both seem really angry about it. Like, they went home that night and basically just thought about it all night, and they got really worked (laughs) up, and they came into the meeting the next day and were we're just ready to go. Yeah, there's definitely a calm cut of this movie and a high blood pressure cut of this movie, probably. <laughs> 
There's this moment where she says in the deleted scene that I don't know what it's like at your old school, but you could be expelled for that behavior here. Not in San Bernardino. Yeah, in San Bernardino, like it's okay to bash another student's head into a set of lockers. Like there's no there's no concern there. So basically that scene ends with Vicky heading over to actually talk to Claire and tell her that she's going to recommend him for expulsion, even though Jason Zimmer is supposed to be recovering just fine. And at this point, we get a scene. And again, I'm not sure why this was deleted, though, because it could have been an interesting addition to the movie. But Claire doesn't want Vicky to expel Noah. And she sort of goes out of her way to dissuade her from doing that, which is kind of an interesting an interesting sort of thing. She just asks as a favor to me, just leave it all alone. And Vicky's like, okay, sure, no problem. Yeah. Which is just super weird to me. Like, I, I don't know if, if maybe those scenes were shot first and then they looked at them and they realized it doesn't make any sense that he wouldn't receive some disciplinary action right away. And so they decided to cut them and then reshoot them again with a slightly more aggressive tone. But it still doesn't explain why they didn't put everybody back in the same clothes <laughs> that they would have been wearing in that scene. It's just so it's I mean, not that this is the most believable of, of films, but that, you know, the, the vice principal just gets to say, oh, you know what as a favor to you we won't we won't mention it again those all those students saw it and this kid's in the hospital and that other teacher had to wrestle him to the ground but don't worry about it and she doesn't even say like oh not to like just to avoid embarrassing my son or anything like at least that would kind of make sense it really it really just sounds like oh can you can you do a favor for me and my boyfriend so you don't get him in trouble <laughs> Yeah, it's really suspicious. It is pretty suspicious. <laughs> so is there anything specific that either of you noticed throughout the minute that you want to bring up or focus I on? I mean, I guess just that like this minute in particular, and you know, as we go to the next couple of minutes, it does seem to fit the general theme of this movie, like having really heightened moments that don't have very worthwhile buildup and then just letting them go. I mean, especially with even yeah. if yeah. that deleted scene were included, nothing really pays off. I know we're supposed to see Noah as threatening, but it seems like they're giving him a lot of slack because he's hot, I guess. And like, I don't know, it just <laughs> none, none of it really feels earned at all. Uh, I think that's true. And I also think that's a good place to end this episode because it sort of leads into what we're going to talk about in the next minute, especially continuing his conversation with Vicky, which turns pretty rough here in the next minute. So uh, before we wrap it up, would you guys like to plug anything, Caroline? Sure. Um, I just came out with, uh, well, I, I write a monthly blog series for Quaint Magazine. That's Q-U-A-I-N-T. And this month it's October. So uh, it was on It Follows, uh, another spooktastic movie. And yeah, I just watch out for that. I do that every month. And I do that, I promote that with my own podcast, The Loose Cannon Podcast, which is a show where me and a guest discuss a movie that they like for personal rather than critical reasons. Awesome. And Megan, anything to promote? Uh, I have a blog where I recap V.C. Andrews novels, and it has been on a hiatus for a while, but I'm going to be starting it back up, and that is at trappedintheattic.wordpress.com. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, both of you will be joining me for the next minute, as well as two additional minutes after that, so I can't wait to get to those, and I'm very excited. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for both being my guests, and we will see you next time. All right, bye, everybody. Thanks, Josh. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to A Talking Cast Presents The Cast Next Door. I was your host, Josh Hollis, with my guests Caroline Fulford and Megan Sunday. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at FirstEdIliad, or download new episodes from thecastnextdoor.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Artwork and editing by Josh Hollis. Produced by Darren Husted. Executive producer, Josh Hollis. The Boy Next Door is owned by Blumhouse, Smart Entertainment, Neurican, and Universal Studios. No infringement is intended. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. This is a first edition?